All right. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of In Context. This is a podcast hosted by Stonebridge Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. My name is Keith Knight. I'm one of the pastors here. Today I'm joined with Brandon Levering. I'm also one of the pastors here. Right. You didn't you didn't lose it. You got you picked it up. Mostly. Right. Mostly. And we have a new guest. Come on. You want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm uh Josh Casey. I'm the uh newest pastor He's here at Stonebridge. Kid. Yeah. Pastor for discipleship. New kid, so we get to pick on him. That's right. Mm-hmm. Hold his head over the This bathroom, is part of his toilet. initiation. <laughs> oh, thanks. Is... <laughs> you guys didn't tell me that when, before we started recording. It's probably going to so be thanks. more painful for the people listening than for Josh, though, like to, to sit through us pontificating on things again, right? Yeah. I yeah. think he'll hold his own. I've no, got I know. High expectations. We'll probably see. make us look bad. That's true. we got to make sure that doesn't happen. Luckily, I'm in charge of uh, post production, so. <laughs> All right. Before this thing goes off the rails, before we get started, um, we thought it'd be good for us to jump in in this episode and talk about, as we've been going through Malachi, mm-hmm. one of the things that we've been looking at, um, both as we prepare our sermons, but also as we do our true to text, which is kind of sermon prep where we're inviting other people in to look at the texts and see what they really mean and then how would we preach them. Um, when you come to Old Testament prophets, there's always... Um, there's always kind of a hitch in that how much of what they're saying applies directly to yeah. them then mm-hmm. and what can we carry over to us now. And there's yeah. a process with that, but we just wanted to talk a little, a little bit today about how, how should we receive Old Testament prophecy mm-hmm. and approach um, prophetic books in the Old Testament. Yeah, excellent. You know, I think maybe a classic place to start is, uh, you know, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, mm-hmm. right? So Jeremiah is one of the prophets, one of the major prophets, which, you know, major meaning long, not significant versus minor is short, not unimportant. I'm glad you clarified that because I think some people get the idea that, you know, there are lesser prophets and better prophets. Yeah, so Jeremiah was, he was on the varsity team. (laughs) And, uh, but, you know, we've we've got this famous verse, right? It's on coffee mugs, calendars, whatever. Uh, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans... uh, where am I at? Plans for welfare and not for evil to mm-hmm. give you future and a hope. But it's a beautiful promise. But how much is that promise is directly to me or mm. us versus to Israel? And if you just read the verse before, for thus says the Lord, when the 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place, for I know the plans I have for you. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> and so, you know, what is it, how do we understand, like, the place of the prophets and, and the application of the prophets to us today in Christ under the new covenant? It's a huge question because otherwise, uh, we just they, the the prophets just feel distant and mm-hmm. confusing and therefore not that important right. and and so on. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's a life giving message in these books for us, mm-hmm. even though it's not necessarily to us. Right. And that distinction, I think, um, is critical in in giving the prophets back to the church, where we might either just kind of cherry pick the verses that we really like and ignore mm-hmm. the rest and and dislocate them from the context, or uh, just kind of say you know, we're New Testament people. We're not going to pay much attention to the Old Testament, which you know both of those are an error. I heard that one time from someone in a church. I was talking about how there was a glaring omission of a lot of Old Testament Old Testament texts in certain parts of you know 
church bylaws. And the response I got was, I thought we were a New Testament church. <laughs> My response was like, I hope we're a whole Bible church. Yes. Actually. Yes. <laughs> yes <laughs> but that's absolutely. a common misconception is that when we don't understand something in the Old Testament, we almost try to make it fit in two ways that apply now, or we just throw it out as being yeah. too confusing to struggle with. Yeah. 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 So maybe another question for you guys to uh, think about. what? How, how would you summarize uh, the place of the prophets in the canon? Like, wh- wh- what are these books? What are they doing? Where do they come from? Like, just get some big picture stuff here. It's a perfect toss-up for you, Josh. Yeah. Um, no, I think that uh, that's a great question. And, and we lump them together, I mean, because they're presented in the Bible together. Um, and so I think oftentimes we think, oh, these just happen after the Psalms or, or something, mm-hmm. you know, but they, but, but they really are happening at different points. They need to be read um, almost side by side with, with the histories uh, mm-hmm. because the, the histories, without knowing where they're at in the histories, we don't know what they're speaking about. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's someone who has a, you know, some prophetic witness now, someone who's speaking to the culture right now. Um, you know, with my girls at home, the young girls, we, we always say that a prophet is a human messenger for God. And so, you know, they're in, you know, heavenly messengers for God. Those are angels. But these, these messengers are dropped into a time and a place, and they speak God's truth to his people in that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's always this forward pointing because of the, the progressive revelation of, of, of God and his word that they're going to be pointing to these other, you know, things of Jesus of the end. Um, but we need to be reading them in their, their time and their place. And so I'm not sure that answers entirely I, the question, but I think yeah. you take them apart, not as one lump whole, as this is a genre, we're going to read it, but they, they help because God sent people throughout yeah. history to speak and, and lift our eyes to something more eternal, more, more, uh, more real of him uh, as we interpret yeah. the, where we're living. It's, good. it's an escalation, too, of um, when you look at the whole uh, the Council of Scripture, it's an escalation of God trying to get a message across to his people mm-hmm. that over time, well, they didn't get it this way. Okay. Yeah. So now they don't get it this way. Yeah. Like, and, and that's but now huge. they need this. And so there's, and ultimately results in God himself yes. taking on yeah. flesh and being like, okay, now yeah. do you get it? <laughs> yeah. And, and that that's super helpful. I often uh, will uh, explain them as kind of the referees of the Old Testament. <laughs> yeah, right. So, I mean, there's the law, which was the way God was revealing himself. And they didn't get that. And they weren't keeping the law. And so you've got the referees blowing the whistle, mm-hmm. pointing them back to the rule book, mm-hmm. pointing out how they're not keeping it, and telling them what's going to happen if they don't. Right. And so there's there's a connection between law and prophets. Um, but ultimately, uh, you know, as you just said, they don't listen to the prophets either. And so mm-hmm. God himself. I mean, it's so interesting um, at the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus comes and he goes up the mountain. It kind of feels like another Moses moment. Mm-hmm. But instead of saying, thus says the Lord, he says, I say to you. Right. Like, God is mm. speaking here. And right. so that, that um, what Hebrews 1, uh, you know, many times in many ways, right. God has spoken to us, but now he's spoken to us through his, his son. son. Right. So the prophets are all leading up to that. But that historical location that Josh was talking about, um, I think that's so, that is what really opens, I think, the prophets to us in order to, uh, we wanted we want to make a beeline from the prophetic text to today, mm-hmm. but if you don't take the long route and understand what it's saying to them, then you act and then under you bring that forward through the cross and resurrection. Mm-hmm. Right. Only then are you able to bring it home to today. And um, I think of uh, 
there's a parallel, I think, between the way that the epistles interact with the book of Acts mm. as, how, as far as how the, apo- the yeah. uh, prophets interact with the historical books. Mm-hmm. So the epistles don't just continue the narrative. You get done with Acts and you get to Romans, and it's not just continuing the narrative. It actually takes you back into the book of Acts. Right. Like Paul's in right. Rome at the end of Acts, right. but he can't wait to get there for the first time in the beginning of Romans. Like right. Something's different here. In a similar way, the prophets, you know, Jeremiah brings us back into Second Kings, and and um, uh, yeah, so I think that, it, and so with Malachi, where are we at in that storyline with Malachi? Yeah, it's uh, as the, after the um, the exiles return from uh, uh, from captivity after mm-hmm. after it's all you know take you know they all return under um, after Darius you know gives the the decree or Cyrus gives the decree Darius is you know ruling in, under the Persian Empire. And, uh, and they've rebuilt the temple. They've all come back, and now they're kind of asking that question of, okay, so historically it seems like all those previous prophets and all that, all that time said we're going to come back and this will be the, this will be the sweet spot. You know, mm-hmm. This is where it's all fulfilled, and they may be missing. You know, what, where is this fulfillment actually going to happen? Um, because they start to ask these questions. Um, why, why is it still pretty rough? You know, where'd mm-hmm. you go, God? Where, mm-hmm. Do you love us? They start to question that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so that's where, where we're landing, you know, in, the, in whatever it would be, the fifth century mm-hmm. um, BC. And, uh, and just uh, then Malachi comes along, you know, um, and, and he's going to say, well, let's think this through. Let's, yeah. let, let's establish what these structures are, how, how the prophecy is going to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then there's a back, so there's a backwards looking too. And this is where um, the timeline of all things, this is where it gets kind of uh, weird for people, right? Mm-hmm. Because the prophets are speaking of something future. They're giving future warnings, but yep. they're also unbeknownst to themselves, right? Assumption-wise, like we don't know what was actually going on in their heads, but we can assume that sometimes when they're talking about things that are yet to come, they have no idea. I mean, when yeah. they are speaking of the Messiah, they have no idea in terms of the specifics of the Messiah. They just know by God's unction that the Messiah is going to come, mm-hmm. but they have no more specifics than what God gives them to, to mm-hmm. speak. And so there's certain ways in which they're saying things that we know now in hindsight, but the Israelites wouldn't have yeah. known, which is true when Jesus shows up and they don't even understand yeah. this is the character of the Messiah. So there's certain things that are missed in that. Mm-hmm. And with that as well is, you know, for Daniel, for example. So mm-hmm. in Daniel, a lot of that is apocalyptic, and this is where you get into that whole, there's a little bit of apocalyptic in a lot of prophets, mm-hmm. and that's when we get confused on how to parse this out. I mean, yeah. it happens in Malachi, too. Well, this this week when we reach the passage, there's a certain am- amount of how much fulfillment is short-term versus eternal yes. fulfillment, yeah. and that's, I think, for me, that was the hardest thing for me to get when I was younger is reading the Old Testament prophets, how much of this is future, 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> or yeah. just future yeah. to them. You know? and, and that whole concept of, you know, multiple horizons of fulfillment. Um, so there are some things the prophets spoke that were fulfilled in their day. Like you think of, of parts of the prophecy of Isaiah 7 was that the king of Assyria was going to invade the northern kingdom and wipe it out. Mm-hmm. That happened in Isaiah's day. Um Parts of the pro, and, the, and then there's the the future fulfillment, but even that can can come about in horizon. So, right. uh, for ancient Israel, the expectation was by and large that when the Messiah comes, the new creation is here. Mm-hmm. Like the whole, mm-hmm. you know, one big dramatic act mm-hmm. of God. Uh, what they didn't have a category for was that Christ was going to come and inaugurate that. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. but not consummated until his second coming. Right. And so even then as we read, and, and I think we're going to encounter this in the text mm-hmm. that Josh is going to be preaching this weekend, uh, as we read what parts of the future promises were fulfilled in Christ's first coming mm-hmm. versus which parts are going to be fulfilled in his second. And mm-hmm. and um, y- you almost have to resonate with the with the people during Malachi's time when we read Revelation. It's like, we can guess <laughs> at what this is going to look like, right. but we're probably going to make some wrong conclusions and, and have clarity on the other side where we get to right. look back to the cross. Right. Um, they were looking forward. They were looking kind of into a, into a fog. Um, uh, there was a signpost. There were certain clear promises, but that actual shape of that fulfillment was still mm-hmm. unclear. We see parts of it now that are clear, and some of them are still foggy for us. Mm-hmm. But um, so I don't know if you if it's worth kind of giving a little foretaste of the uh, of the text mm-hmm. for this weekend. But where do we see that uh, as you've been studying Malachi two seventeen to three five or six? It's debated. Um, uh, what? Yeah. yeah. Where, do, where does that come up? Yeah. If it's a foretaste, it's probably like the Old Testament foggy foretaste. You know, and say, here we go. The, uh, the, um, the uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of in that in those those later verses of what you, you referenced there. Uh, chapter three, verse, um, you know, verses four and five, maybe, you know, it, it talks about this this coming messenger. You know, behold, I will send my messenger, mm-hmm. you know, because they're, they're asking, what, what are you doing with justice? You know, where are we at on the spectrum of justice? Do you even care? Are you able? Are you willing? He says, no, my justice is here. I'm going to send my messenger and my messenger is going to exact justice. Like mm-hmm. you will, you, mm-hmm. he will make real the justice. You will mm-hmm. know it's there and he will do that through his judgment. But he does it first of all, in this, maybe this first horizon of fulfillment, does he will come and he's going to actually not lay waste to everyone, but he's going to purify them. Mm-hmm. He's going to refine them. He's going mm-hmm. to uh, use fuller soap. He's going to, you know, wash them. And, uh, and so you, you have some of that fulfillment there. And that might be that first horizon. We find that when we, when we open up the, the New Testament, there's so much of the New Testament mm-hmm. that's pointing back to this, this kind of language of refining, purifying, uh, washing. And we see that one of those horizons being the cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's fulfillment there. A lot of that is, taking, mm-hmm. is done. And then we read in, you know, in verse 4, then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing. Then something will happen where those offering the sacrifice will be made pure and they will be offering in righteousness. And so that's a big deal. Yeah. But then if we, if we say, you know, where is that next horizon? What do we do there? It's probably that verse 5 there in chapter 3 of Malachi. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. Mm-hmm. It seems mm-hmm. as though those may not be the same moment. Mm-hmm. They might be using the horizons language, which I think is so helpful, mm-hmm. um, that there are a couple things happening. God sees further, and it's really foggy for us as we go. Mm-hmm. Until we see it, we say, aha, this is amazing. Yeah, it's good. That's good. Yeah, and there's therein kind of lies the the rub too because if we're honest like even as we as those who are preaching the text and you know kind of exhorting everyone else when we come to it there is a fear and trembling coming to the scripture because a lot of these passages can be interpreted so many different ways you know that we're we're trusting in the overall uh, an overall understanding of scripture in terms of fulfillment and doing our best to bring to bear the gospel on the text as we know it with sort of holding our hands open and saying, like you mentioned, we're kind of like the prophets and we don't know exactly what that's yeah. going to look like. I'm always getting suspicious of someone who says, I know exactly how <laughs> things are going to end. I'm like, well, 
Um, that's amazing because I've been studying this for a very long time and I'm probably foggier now than I was when I was in college. So, And I, I think for me, one of the one of the controls, if you will, in, in trying to wrestle through, all right, what does this look like? Especially as we move from, from prophetic Old Testament into today. Um, we talked about the historical context. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a control. But there's also the other one that both of you guys have, have mentioned already, and that's the cross and resurrection. Right. So that, pr- that provides a pair of lenses. And it's not, this is not just an interpretive jujitsu or anything. This is native mm-hmm. to the actual terrain mm-hmm. and message of Scripture. I mean, right. You can look at Luke 24 and John 5 and all mm-hmm. sorts of places where the unfolding message as leading up to the cross and then flowing out from it. Right. And so as we bring uh, the message of Malachi to bear, we're always trying to see it through those lenses. And, mm-hmm. and again, that, that doesn't answer every curiosity because mm-hmm. the work and person of Christ is already and not yet. Like He's coming again. There's some things we're still waiting for. But is Jesus the hero? Is Jesus the pivot point? Mm. The, the pivot point? Um, how how is how are mm-hmm. we not just jumping straight from the Old Testament to today, mm-hmm. but bringing it through uh, the person and work of Jesus, who is true Israel and the mm-hmm. fulfillment of that, and and that I think is one of the um, one of the things that gives me uh, at least some level of confidence as I'm preaching the prophets. Right. If I'm mm-hmm. if I'm bringing uh, bringing this forward to Christ and then through Christ mm-hmm. to God's people, um, I may not get all the details sorted out, but I feel pretty confident that that you know this is uh, going to be helpful for the people of God, and it's going to follow the pattern of Christ as He read mm-hmm. the Old Testament, mm-hmm. Paul and the and the New Testament writers, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's. I think you make a really good point. Um, that is foreign to us sometimes, somewhat, is that idea that, you know, as I, as I read Paul, Paul always has this idea of like something happens, something is happening, something will happen. Mm-hmm. Like he's always doing this, this innate rhythm of these horizons. Um, but then you go back to the, the, the prophets and they're saying that. You go back to everywhere and they're saying, didn't I, you know, he's the creator, but didn't I take you out of Egypt? Didn't I do these things? Didn't we? And there's just this rhythm that sometimes I think we can read now and, and, and say, this is just old stuff. Why do they continue to hash it? We know you took you out of Egypt. Why do you say this? And it's because we're establishing some form of rhythm. But then we get into these prophets and, and it helps us with those horizons mm-hmm. to interpret. What do we do in the middle of those? You know, as yeah. you said, it leads to Christ and through Christ. Yeah. Those mm-hmm. are those are kind of that, that area of then you know, when I apply that to my life, what am I supposed to do in between those horizons? And I think that that is the mm-hmm. task for us as the reader, not to say I'm the center of this, mm-hmm. but that those rhythms give us that humility. They, they, they're, they, they check us where I want to figure out this messenger is going to come and make me clean and me pure, and I'm going to be awesome in this. Yes, <laughs> but that's not the first thing. Mm-hmm. We're glorifying Christ and understanding how he walks us through these fulfillments. Yeah. Yeah. And that's more of, of the message that they're – but, but even Paul picks that up, and he's very prophetically going to be – in the book of Acts, you get the histories, mm-hmm. and then he's going to be going through those rhythms. And, yeah. and all he's doing is just dropping left and right. Here's Christian virtue in this time. Here's Christian virtue. Here's how to live. Here's how to do this until we get to the next horizon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's good. So maybe then functionally, so where, where we're at now, where we've come from the beginning of this conversation really is how is how do we approach the prophets? And maybe for a lot of us, the way that we functionally in, in real time approach the prophets is misguided and that we're always looking for 
Well, there's somebody who's telling everybody what's ultimately going to happen, mm. but that's a reductionistic look at it. So maybe yeah. like to, to summarize some of the things that we've mm-hmm. said already, the, the way to approach the prophets as, as those who were speaking on behalf of God to his covenant people mm-hmm. about how he was going to ultimately fulfill his covenant promises to them mm-hmm. and how they should respond in covenant faithfulness to yeah. him. Yeah. Right. That's perfect. Yep. I got nothing more than that. <laughs> that was solid. <laughs> But um, but then, so maybe practically, let's give, Brandon, you want to just weigh in and maybe just drop, then it, for the average person who's listening to this, like uh, just, you know, maybe casual mm-hmm. s- student of the Bible who's been avoiding the, <laughs> the prophets, what are, what are a couple real practical steps to take when they come to a book like mm-hmm. Malachi, Daniel, yeah. Ezekiel, Jeremiah, what are a couple practical steps they can take that might um, help them as they study through That's these? That's good. Um, so a uh, couple, couple thoughts. I think in terms of you know, finding the context is, is really your first step. And again, coming back to that historical context, when I'm in Ezekiel, where are we at in the overall Bible story? Mm-hmm. You know, knowing that, uh, so we've been, uh, my, my daughter Chloe's been reading Ezekiel to us in the car on the way to school every morning. And you then, guys know how to party. And then Eva will stop her, and she'll <laughs> interpret what she's reading. It's, it's glorious. It is gl- And she gets it right. I'm just right. nodding in the yeah. front seat. Yeah. Um, but understanding, like, that Ezekiel is in Babylon, like, mm-hmm. it just so uh, so um, following those cross-references, mm-hmm. um, if you've got a good study Bible, looking at the introduction, where are we at in the timeline, the storyline? Um, how does this book fit into the overall story of Kings and, and, and then into Ezra and Nehemiah and mm-hmm. so on? So that's one step is, is becoming familiar with the storyline of the Bible right. is the biggest thing, uh, both in terms of knowing where we're at and then where we're going, mm-hmm. how that leads forward to Christ. Um, and then listening for, looking for um, seeds of the gospel, looking for themes uh, that that the New Testament picks up our cross references are some of our best friends when we're trying right. to understand. Yeah, Amen. Um, and uh, or or are there problems introduced in this that aren't that don't find resolution mm. until Jesus shows up? Like, mm-hmm. how does this uh, point me forward? Promises of a new covenant mm-hmm. and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, and then in, as far as application. What are, you know, you can get there a couple of different ways. Okay. Um, are there times that the New Testament is going to pick up that mm-hmm. same instruction? Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Right. Uh, so cross-references again. Um, are there, um, uh, oh, I'm losing my train Direct quotations yeah, in the New Testament. Yeah, direct quotations in the New Testament. Um, and, and, and kind of um, uh, principles, you know, mm-hmm. when, when you mm-hmm. can't, you know, it, there, there's, you know, so back to Jeremiah 29, 11, right? right? Okay, so here's a verse that isn't to us or about us, but that doesn't mean it isn't for us right. or have applicational significance for us. That's good clarity. Because, yeah. because you know, Jeremiah 29, 11 may not be uh, a promise that God is going to do something amazing with my specific life, mm-hmm. and, and then I fill in the blank of what that means. But the fact that God is committed to his people, that he has a plan that is moving them out of exile forward to redemption and restoration. Mm-hmm. Well, the ultimate way he fulfills Jeremiah 29, 11 is through sending his son right. to bring mm-hmm. that restoration. Mm-hmm. And so finding my 
uh, identity and hope in Jesus and what he does, that's how you apply hmm. verse 11. Mm-hmm. God knows the plans he has for us uh, for to give you a future and a hope, and that future and a hope is not you know, a 12-stall a, a garage <laughs> or, or whatever. Mm. That is Christ and the inheritance we have in him. Right. And so claim that promise, yeah. but just understand <laughs> how it comes to us through yeah. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. That's, a really, that's a really good point. That gives us a lot of clarity. So, so if you're listening today, our desire for you would be to become a student of the Bible, to know that it is God's inerrant word. He has spoken not just uh, through the law, not just through the prophets, but ultimately through his son. And so that's what we stand on. And uh, we just want all of us to grow in our understanding of scripture and application of it to our lives through Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. So uh, keep studying, keep reading, keep asking good questions. And if you have any other questions or topics you want us to talk about on In Context, we'd be happy to do that. Um, But until our next episode, I guess we'll just say uh, see you later and uh, look forward to seeing you in person. Bye.